Hi, my name is Michelle Mickens, and I'm here to talk about technologies for personalized learning. Um, I'd like to give a little bit of background into the course that I would be integrating these tools with. And that course is a ninth grade literature and composition class. And although this class is a requirement in the state of Georgia to graduate, um, and it does require a Georgia milestone, this class is really unique in that it is built and designed for a specific type of student. And that is a, the student that is the less practiced reader and writer, or what some schools choose to call at risk. I don't like that term, so I just call them less practiced. Um, this course had a few stipulations. It can only have 18 to 20 students because we really wanted um, an environment where we can focus on the students individually. And these students have to be true freshmen. They cannot be repeaters. And none of the students um, have any IEPs or 504 plans that require accommodations and modifications. And this is because um, there were not enough co-teachers to spread around for this, ex this experimental course. And so we thought it best that we just pick up upcoming eighth graders who don't need those requirements, but are probably the 18 to 20 um, most at-risk students. Um, and the goal is to increase their Lexile levels. Many of these students only read on a fourth and fifth grade reading level. So um, I'm really excited to introduce all of these tools into my actual class. So the five tools I will be talking about are ThingLink, Edmodo, Flipgrid, Snapchat, and Anchor. And the first one I'd like to talk about is ThingLink. I was first um, introduced to ThingLink when a student in my cohort used it on an assessment and I immediately clicked on it. I loved how it looked from a spectator standpoint. Um, it looked very... Uh, I just love the graphics of it and I thought, gee, this is something I'd really like to use in my class. So I'd first like to talk about the strengths and the first one is um, the fact that it just has many uses. It can be a visual aid, it can be a graphic organizer and that's for teachers and students. Um, I could use it and integrate it into a lesson which I'll show you later how exactly I would do that. But also for students, um, and that goes to my second strength, which is the ability for students to show an understanding using a visual aid. As an English teacher, our default assessment is always to write a paper. And unfortunately, through a student's writing, particularly in my case where I'm teaching at-risk ninth graders or less practiced readers and writers, as I like to call them, um, they, they don't write well because they don't read well and so they may understand something and they may comprehend it and even be able to analyze it and synthesize but they can't do it using writing and so this is a wonderful opportunity for them to be able to show what they know um, without having to write it in a formal essay the third great thing is that it is a wonderful alternative to powerpoint or a poster. Um, by default, I know in my school, teachers, when they think about projects or performance assessments, their first uh, go-to suggestion is a PowerPoint or a poster. 
And frankly, you know, students are becoming more and more involved in the digital world and they love the digital tools. And I just feel like ThingLink would be a wonderful alternative for them. Also, um, I would say the fourth strength is how it ties together other apps like YouTube and Facebook and things like that. Also, if you were to have them talk about a text in a formal essay, you would ask them to cite their sources. They can actually do this. They can um, upload links to the thing link that they've created and um, show you where exactly they got that source. So it has uh, a lot of strengths. I would say also it has its weaknesses, like anything. And the first one is that um, you're somewhat limited before having to pay money. Uh, for instance, you can't use videos or 360 degree images until you join and pay for the service in full. Also, I felt like, although I played with the application, it really takes time um, to access its full potential. And when I Googled some of the cons of it, I saw that a lot of teachers were in agreement with me. A lot of users agreed with me that certainly um, it does take time, which um, leads to the third weakness. And that is um, teachers just don't have the prep time to do that. Um, it would be great for schools who did have a technology coach, but in most cases you just have your average everyday teachers um, trying to engage students, in which case this would take uh, a little bit of time to be able to utilize it fully. Um, also, another weakness, and this is a very personal one, I felt like it was more complicated than it should have been. On its face, it seems pretty simple. Um, I noticed a lot of the tools reminded me of um, like Coggle, where you can insert links and video images and pictures and things like that. But um, it seemed, it just seemed more complicated by, by the looks of it and by the Google research and other research that I did. I felt like people were doing things with it that I just couldn't figure out just yet. So time is definitely an issue. The second tool that I really like is Edmodo. And Edmodo is something that I actually began to use last semester. I will tell you that its uh, greatest strength is certainly the fact that it's a wonderful communication tool for teachers and, I mean, excuse me, for parents and students. Um, another great thing about it is that it has a good polling device. You could use it as a bell ringer, um, you know, for anything to gauge what students understand or don't understand. Um, it was ideal for me because it um, is used very smoothly with Office 365, which is the platform my school used. So when I was uploading documents or um, videos, things like that, I could pull them right out of my OneNote. And so it was really a great tool for me personally to use. Um, it does have its weaknesses. My, a lot of my students complained about the layout. Um, it has a Facebook look to it, I guess, but it just does not um, feel Facebook friendly. Um, also, the other weakness is that parents don't see what the students see. So sometimes for the purposes of communication, um, it, it doesn't make sense because the whole idea is that parents be able to see what their students are doing, yet they don't have the same 
um, view of it as the student would. Um, also, I personally had a problem uploading documents sometimes. And when I Googled this problem last semester, I noticed that a lot of teachers shared that problem. And I so I don't think it's necessarily um, a problem on our end. It may be the type of document. I never could quite figure it out, but I knew I had to play with it several times to make sure certain documents were uploaded. Um, so uh, Edmodo was fabulous. It's a great type of learning management system. I do think there are better ones. Um, I, I wouldn't necessarily call that a weakness, but I certainly think uh, it's not the best one out there, but it is great for beginning teachers. It also has like a news feed. So if you have questions or ideas, um, also the customer service, I felt like if you did have questions, there were people that swiftly answered them. And if not, uh, somebody in the Edmodo system, then certainly another teacher who was uh, better versed and practiced in using it than I was. So I really appreciated that. Um, I What's really great, uh, another positive aspect of it is it was highly beneficial to my students who were absent. Um, they had access to all the documents. One thing about this ninth grade class is that I have a high absentee rate. A lot of them do not feel comfortable asking for missed work or what we did yesterday. And so some don't get it and some do get it and just don't do it because they already feel like they're behind. So it's perfect for those kids. They can access it themselves and get the work done. I noticed there was an increase um, in completed work by absentee students. Also, it was great when I had a student who had to leave early for a pregnancy and um, she was getting ready to graduate. It was really, really difficult for her to keep up and this helped tremendously. All her assignments were on time. Her um, reading schedule was kept up. She had everything done. Everything was on there. It was like she was in the room. So it was great for that as well. The third tool I would like to talk about is Flipgrid. Another one of my favorites. This has so many strengths. The first one, first and foremost, user-friendly. Uh, in the previous segment, I talked about how, um, you know, the time constraints of doing a lot of research and playing with certain tools um, like ThingLink. That was not the case with Flipgrid. I was very easily able to begin using it. Students caught on. It took very little direction. The other strength, the second strength, is that it's free, absolutely free. At one point, it was not always free. Um, you were allowed one grid and uh, topic, but now you it's unlimited. It is free across the board for everybody. <clears throat> the third wonderful thing about Flipgrid is that it really promotes discussion and student engagement. Kids love to use it. They would ask me after I did it the first time, Mrs. Mickens, when are we gonna do a Flipgrid again? When are we gonna, I think because it's so much like Snapchat, um, it feels good for them. It really is just an aesthetic thing. Um, the fourth strength that I really, really loved was that it was wonderful for students who don't like talking in front of an audience. I had one student who, you know, other teachers had claimed he, they had never even heard what his voice sounded like. He was so painfully shy. And um, we were reading uh, Euripides' uh, Medea. And the students, uh, because the drama is, of course, uh, from ancient Greece, 
and a lot of the language is antiquated. They weren't necessarily getting the vibe and the tone and the feelings that the characters were projecting. So what I did was I had them choose a character and they had to choose 10 lines or more, uh, consecutive of course, from that character and recite that part of Medea. And they part of the rubric and the grading had to do with how they projected their voices and how the, the tone that they used and for instance if they were Medea and they were reciting her lines you had to hear the anger the vengeance the pain of her character and um, the student who was painfully shy um, read uh, recited um, lines from Jason and you can hear his snarkiness and his conceit and his arrogance and it was just phenomenal and for that reason I think Flipgrid is so ideal and your peers, students get to see each other and you don't have to worry about somebody giggling, laughing, you know. So many teenage boys, especially in the ninth grade, are going through their change in life where they their voice crackles and um, it's just embarrassing. And, and Flipgrid is wonderful for that. You hear from students that you otherwise wouldn't have heard from. It does have its weaknesses though, although I hesitate to call them weaknesses. I think it's a strong word. Um, but one of them is, of course, how you can only respond using video, uh, obviously. Um, and so that would be the only way to um, communicate. Uh, the second one, of course, is that the responses can only be so long. I think it's like five minutes. So as a teacher, you really have to keep in mind that when you are giving a student an assignment and you want them to respond, that it has to be, um, you have to keep in mind that they only have five minutes to respond. Um, the other, the third weakness I would say is because it requires the app for devices. And unfortunately, you may have students who don't have devices and um, you would have students who may not have the data um, for the devices. And what you're gonna see as a weakness and, in, 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 you know, most tools, unfortunately, is that it also um, creates a greater digital divide, unfortunately, for some students more than others because, um, you know, some students just don't have that. You can put it on a, a tablet or a laptop or a computer. Um, of course, it's for, uh, the, you have the app for the phone. But again, if you don't have those tools at home, you have to be careful when doing assignments uh, that may be for homework or do, you know, out of school. So teachers have to be really conscious of that. Okay, next I want to talk about Snapchat. Snapchat is my new favorite. Um, I've been playing around with it all summer. Um, as a teacher, I would use it interchangeably with Flipgrid because I think you, they can both serve the same purpose. But it would like we would like we'd like to see variation, and I think um, this does that um, with Flipgrid and Snapchat. I would say the strengths of Snapchat are certainly that all my students use it. Uh, very few of them use Facebook anymore, and. Um, a lot of them are even shying away from Twitter. That's how user-friendly Snapchat is to them. And I don't think I have a single student who does not have Snapchat. Um, also, I love it to use in the same way that you would use 
uh, for Flipgrid, which is to make announcements, to maybe create a poll, uh, even maybe to generate a discussion. Uh, hey kids, is there something you don't understand about tonight's reading? Snap me and let me know and we could talk, you know? Um, the great thing about that too is as far as the announcements, polls, dis- you know, discussion generator, is that it allows the user to create groups. So I can have a group for ninth graders, I can have a group of uh, 12th graders, and not everybody has to see my snap. It's only accessible to the group that I send it to. So I really love that about it. Um, Another benefit is that um, you can even do like quick extra credit quizzes. Um, For instance, and I've done this with Flipgrid, you could say, hey, anybody need some extra credit? You know, what was the character buying in the store at the time to the at the time of the armed robbery? And of course that question aligns itself with the text we're reading, and I'll get to that in the end when I show you how I would use all of these tools um, in a real unit. Um, but uh, those things are really great. Again, the weaknesses though go along with, as we've mentioned in previous segment, digital equity. If you're at home and you don't have data or you don't have a phone and so you don't have Snapchat downloaded, it can be problematic because it doesn't offer that opportunity to all the kids. So um, with this, and I would argue all the tools, I would ask students what they have access to at the very beginning of the course so that you know what to include or eliminate. Um, And Snapchat is gonna be one of those things. Um, Another reason uh, that I would, another weakness I would attribute to it is that it's the app is only available on a t- on a um, tablet or mobile device. Uh, you could put it on a computer, but you have to use the BlueStacks emulator, which is a which is a third party application. And again, if you don't even own a home computer and you don't own a cell phone, well, then the issue is moot. I mean, it doesn't. It it could hurt a student to to give assignments or offer extra credit when they don't have access at all. Um, also, another weakness um, for students who do have it on their phone, it uses a lot of data. As the parent of teenagers who uh, run runs out of data every month, um, most of it goes to Snapchat use. Snapchat uses an incredible amount of data. Uh, it's crazy. Um, so if you have students who rely solely on data because they don't have internet access, you're really asking a lot having them do some kind of poll or assignment or discussion or a quick quiz or a quick response using Snapchat. Um, so again, you, you head into the um, digital equity questions. And finally, one of my favorite tools, and it's the tool I'm currently using, um, it's the Anchor Podcast. This is my very first podcast with Anchor, and I will say personally, um, I can tell you firsthand after realizing this has taken me most of my morning and early afternoon to put together, um, it does have some weaknesses, especially for a new user. But overall, it is amazing. I've enjoyed it, I love it. I think it's easy enough for students to use, which is one of its strengths. Another one of its strengths, it's free. Who doesn't love free? We're teachers, we love free stuff. Two things we don't have, time and money. 
any technology that allows you, um, you know, free benefits and takes little time is a five star in my book. So Anchor is free. The other great thing about it, it has no storage limits. The third great thing about it is it is mobile friendly. Everything can be done with a cell phone, everything. Also, you can have a guest or co-host who can record right from their phones along with you. You can include voicemails. Um, There are just so many aspects to it. It's wonderful for students because you could have them do um, a project, which a culminating assessment, which I'm going to explain in the last segment um, as far as how I would apply it to my course, my unit. But I think it's amazing that they can do that. So it really um, allows for collaboration too, which is really what we want. That really engages students. Also, everything is in one place and it's great for beginners. Can't pass up something that's great for beginners. It does have its weaknesses. Um, It lacks built-in editing software, which is why this has taken me probably seven hours to do. Um, also, if you stop, your time gets lost. If you're if you're recording an episode, it does have like the 15 second increments where you can go back or forward. But um, it would really be helpful if it had a slider for time, so you can go right to that point. It's a lot quicker. Um, also, some of the other weaknesses. Um, is that if you, uh, the, one of the weaknesses is that if your students are not used to podcasts like me, I'm a good podcast listener, I'm a podcast addict, um, especially if it's true crime. Um, I, if you're not a podcaster, uh, the person doing the podcast, um, you've got to know the difference between segments and episodes. So as a teacher, I would say that it would take time. You would have to have a lesson in podcasting alone. You would have to teach them how to use Anchor before you could ever incorporate it in a lesson or expect them to use it as an assessment uh, assessment tool. Uh, also, um, some other things that are really not applicable to the classroom, the teacher, the student, but if you are a serious podcaster, um, according to podcasthost.com, Anchor heavily brands itself over your content. So it pretty much owns your show in iTunes and some other formats. Um, and so, you know, that's another issue. And of course, the fact that it's free, you know, I hate when I begin to love something so much and then all of a sudden they start charging for it because it becomes popular. And so, you know, I'm just wondering before teachers really get into this tool and they start to love it, um, you know, will it eventually cost money? Because how does it sustain itself without doing so? But I think on its face, it's, it's a great thing um, to use, especially since it is free. But it, those are just things to keep in mind, just in case. Okay, so finally, we have these five wonderful tools. How would I use them in the classroom? Well, I've already kind of given you a heads up about how I've used them in the past. Um, I did with Flipgrid and of course Edmodo. But let me tell you how I would apply them to um, a unit in my ninth grade class. So my very first unit of the semester, it is based on a novel called How It Went Down. It's a high interest text for young readers. And it's about a young boy 
who allegedly steals from a convenience store and is shot and killed. Now we all know this is um, you know, an issue now where you open the paper at any given time and we read about these shooting of unarmed black men um, all the time. And the kids relate to it. Most of my students are minority students and they love this book. And it allows us to talk about social justice issues. And it really engages them in nonfiction reading um, articles um, about these things that are happening in the real world and not just the book. Uh, Another great thing about the book is that it's told from multiple, multiple characters. So you'd never really know as the reader if the person uh, was guilty of the stealing or not, who really saw it or not, who had the most um, accurate view of the incident and what happened, who are the honest characters, who who has the most to gain, who has the most to lose. And so we get to explore so many things. So to start with, I would use ThingLink to introduce the novel in the unit. It would be a great way to take an image of the text, put it up there, and use the bullets to talk about the text, give it background, who's the author. Um, If the student's interested in this book, I may include some other books that the author has written. Um, I would maybe, you know, add a bullet of book reviews for students to read. So there is a multitude of things. Um, Another thing I thought about adding to the thing link that would introduce the text would also be um, what the expectations are. What do you have to know when you're reading this book? You're going to have to know and understand characterization. Um, You're going to have to know and understand point of view. You're going to have to know and understand how and when you're reading reliable and valid sources. Um, You have to know and understand why this is um, such a part of our current cultural climate. And hopefully kids understand that by the end of the text. So with that said, ThingLink would be perfect to introduce this novel, have kids click on it and get some background. The second thing is Edmodo, which I would use not for any specific um, purpose daily or otherwise, just to use throughout the entire unit. Anytime there would be a handout, um, anytime there is, uh, there are notes to be taken, I would upload those to Edmodo. That way, students who are absent have access, parents have access, and um, <clears throat> it also um, would allow students to communicate back to me. What do I need to do with this paper? What do I need to do? So they're present even when they're absent. And also it's a good place just to access files if somebody loses a handout or somebody loses something. It's just there. Edmodo is just a tool that is there um, for the benefit of the students. Um, The next two uh, tools would be Flipgrid and Snapchat, which I would use the same way, but as a variation. I would use them for discussions Um, extra credit questions, polls, things we talked about in the earlier segments. Um, One one example would be um, in Flipgrid, I would about midpoint in the book when the student is realizing they just don't know who to believe or what happened, which is about the time that happens, is about midway through the text. I would ask students to respond in a Flipgrid um, who they believe is the most reliable character and why. Um, Cite somewhere in the text uh, that helps support that belief and the page number. And so it would be no different really than writing it, except it's more fun and they get to express why they think that. Um, Snapchat, I might use later on in the book. 
um, to snap, you know, did he do it or didn't he? Was he armed? Was he unarmed? Um, let me know why. And so basically I would use those two tools for the exact same things, um, but I would use them interchangeably just to give students the variation. And then of course, finally, anchor. Oh my gosh, my favorite. Anchor would be used as a culminating assessment, a summative assessment to synthesize the novel or the events uh, in the novel and the current social climate. Uh, we're you know, reading, in, reading about in cities across the country. Um, students would have to partner up and they would have to engage in a podcast discussion about how this book um, is so much like what's happening in today's world and discuss their understanding um, and synthesize those two pieces. Uh, they would also be able to incorporate anything else we used in the unit to do so. Um, the nonfiction pieces, articles from newspapers, um, and things like that. And that would be their culminating assessment. And I'm, I'm so excited. So of course, as I mentioned in a previous segment about Anchor, I would definitely have to do a lesson prior to teach the students how to use Anchor. Um, but once that was done, I feel like they would love this assessment far more than probably having to write a paper. Um, so I'm very excited to use all of these technologies and I hope you enjoyed my podcast. Have a good day.